Welcome to Harnessing Your Wealth with Billy Peterson. As the founder and CEO of Peterson Wealth Services and a former number one ranked jockey, Billy knows what it takes to succeed. In this podcast, Billy and his team will help equine enthusiasts, business owners, and retirees understand the keys to financial freedom. Saddle up and get ready for a ride you won't soon forget on how you can harness your wealth. Hey, it's Billy. Harnessing your wealth. Today, we're going to talk about celebrity money mistakes. I think this is going to be a fun one for everybody to hear. Have Sean and Cade joining us today, guys. Hi, everybody. How's it going? We're glad to have them and their commentaries. I think it's interesting from a perspective of a financial advisor, but I also think it's interesting for everyday people who who maybe just are interested in looking at the mistakes people make. And we, we call them celebrities because, of course, everyone knows who they are. And it's fun to watch from afar and see. It's never fun to see how people make dumb choices in life, but it is kind of interesting. Let's just say that. We have a number of examples here today to share with you. Let me give you a bit of a background on why we think this is important. So many people make mistakes when it comes to managing their money. And, and there are various reasons for that, various underlying factors. But when we're talking about celebrities, some of the main ones that make these kind of mistakes are athletes. Sports Illustrated did a study several years ago. The study concluded that 80% of NFL players are bankrupt within two years of retirement. And 60% of NBA players are bankrupt within five years of retirement. So apparently they're a little bit a little bit smarter, a little bit better with their money. I'm not sure. That's great. One of the stars of the NFL recently, Tom Brady, announced his second retirement. I think he's done now permanently. But we all heard the stories of he and his then wife, Giselle, he lost reported $30 million in the collapse of FTX, the cryptocurrency exchange company. That's a big number. Of course, he's worth a lot more than that, but just well, she's, an example. She's worth more than him, Bill, so it didn't hurt. True. I wonder if he <laughs> ended up getting any alimony out of that. You know, that would have been an interesting divorce case. <laughs> The biggest thing we want to talk about today are the mistakes people make, why they make them, and maybe how we can apply that to our own lives to avoid making those mistakes ourselves. Now, these are these people are mostly on a different platform, a different level financially than most of us who are listening today. And so take take it for what it is. It's understanding how people how the, how their minds work, how they got into these predicaments, and even on a level it maybe take a few zeros away, the same principles apply. I'm going to jump in and talk about first guy I wanted to share with was Kurt Schilling. Now, for any of you baseball fans out there, you'll know who he is. Cade and I know him very, very well. He Personally, was almost. One of the stars on the 2004 Red Sox breaking of the curse. Now, Schilling is most remembered for the bloody sock game where he had his ankle stitched up before a World Series game and came out and pitched a jam, one of the keys to their success and them breaking the curse, winning the World Series that year. He won three World Series championships, one with the Arizona Diamondbacks, but a couple more with the Red Sox. Reportedly, he made over $114 million in his career. He 
had a chance to get into the Hall of Fame. I think some of his outspoken, controversial positions politically around the world kind of got him in some hot water with some of the voters. But one other thing that got him in hot water was his poor acumen when it comes to making decisions financially. Of that $114 million that he made in his career, let's assume after taxes and paying his agents, et cetera, let's say he had 50 to $60 million, which for most of us would be, would be set for life. If you just took care of that, invested that, and lived off of the annual distribution. Kurt, however, never won for holding back. He invested all of his money into a video game company that he founded called 38 Studios. He lost it all. He, he put everything into this video game company. He thought this was going to be a great business. So the the moral of this story is be careful how much you're willing to go and how much you're willing to put toward a venture that you're not sure if it's going to pan out. It's sad to think that a the World Series champ is now being forced to do shows and broadcasts just to get by. Yeah, I think the assumption with those athletes or artists is that they're just so wealthy that they're never going to have to worry about money, but they actually have to make some of the same decisions that us normal folks have to make as well. Uh, the next one we had here listed out for you guys is another baseball player named Mike Matheny. And he ended up being subject to the real estate crash in 2008. And he made a, it seems very mild, but he made 18 million throughout his career. And just hearing about Shohei Otani making 700 million, 18 seems like a, just a drop in the bucket, measly 18 million. But you got to remember, he was playing 13. He was playing true. what, 20 plus years ago? He played a long time ago. A lot different money situation than today. He's, he played for four different teams, and he mostly just invested in commercial real estate. And This is a good example of not putting all your eggs in one basket. So he has a quote here saying, before the, the crash, of course, you could throw a dart at any kind of real estate and you were going to do well. That didn't age very well for him as he's now on a list of very high-profile money mistakes. So... He was evicted from his house, what I understand. He was, yeah. All of his baseball memorabilia was lost with it. But this story has a happy ending. Uh, he actually got hired on as a baseball manager, and he was able to not only recover his financial situation, but also uh, move back into that same house that he got evicted from. He was currently a manager for the Kansas City Royals, but he got fired very recently. I found that out. So <laughs> poor guy. Dang, but, that doesn't really sound like that happy of an ending, Cade. <laughs> I mean, he blew through $20 million, got a job making probably pennies on what he's making before, and then he got fired. I know you're trying to be positive. It's Christmas and everything, but I bet that guy is sick for the money that he he blew through. And Oh, guaranteed. I, I think it's an example of knowing both of those, knowing what you're getting into. Is it something that you really want to invest in? I mean, if someone came to us with $50, $50 million, would we say, yeah, let's put that all in one company? I don't think we would. And I don't think when you <laughs> frame it- you we wouldn't. Yeah. I, and when you frame it that way to just the average investor, I don't think they would either. So don't get too far ahead of yourself. Don't get overconfident in what you 
think he may be doing and maybe seek some some advice. I don't know. Um, guys, I'll, I'll be honest, and you you know this about me. I am a self-proclaimed baseball athlete, four-time wow. home run champ, Little League. You guys know that. And I don't know who either of those baseball players were until you told me today. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're, uh, we're so grateful to have you in our presence, Sean. I'm not, I'm not sure if you're going up in the Cooperstown Museum soon, or just tell us when that's going to be. We want to make sure we book our flights. Let me get a you know, sign. When you were eight, nine, ten years show. old, I, hey, it may not be Cooperstown, but I think that our little town of Morgan's probably got something that they're going to uh, put sure up for me. I'm sure they're planning something soon. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, I'm I'm going to dive into one, and I think most everybody knows this guy, Iron Mike Tyson. Okay. 1989, youngest boxing world champion. He was 20 years old when he became champion. And you know what happens. I mean, I don't know if our listeners out there, I'm, I'm big into the UFC. And when you're buying those events, I think you're $80 for a pay-per-view event. He was like the highest grossing pay-per-view or whatever it was back then seller of all time. So he's racking in millions and millions of dollars, right? You and had to watch him. He he was I, must see. As a matter of fact, he terrified me, and I wasn't even anywhere close. But I was always looking <laughs> over my shoulder, thinking this guy's going to come down the around the corner one of these days, and I'm going to meet him in a parking lot and he kill me. <laughs> Some of his sound bites are just amazing, and and you know now he he talked about pigeons, guys. He he raised pigeons, like you know he says it with his little list. I love my pigeons, and <laughs> and he had tigers, and he's got mansions and Rolls Royces and Bentleys, and it was reported that he had two hundred people on his payroll. Okay. Chauffeurs, gardeners, chefs, um, doctors, whatever it might be. And, you know, when you're making that kind of money and you're 20 years old, you're probably thinking, hey, this is never going to end. Well, guess what? It did end for him. Okay. His boxing career went away and he's still trying to live that same lifestyle. 2004, he owed $38 million. Okay. Owed. Owed. He owed. He didn't have that. And 250 creditors were were knocking at the door. They wanted a piece of that. And he had that manager, the guy with, with all the, the tall hair. What was his name? King. King. Don King was his manager. And Tyson had a lawsuit because he got defrauded by his manager. That was a big story um, that he was getting taken advantage of. So he, Tyson files a lawsuit against him for $100 million, gets awarded $14 million to make it go away. Tyson never saw a dollar of that because all the other creditors were in line to to get that money. So I think the moral of the story is there is, you know, if you've got a cash cow or you've got money coming in, don't just assume that that's never going to end and don't live such an extravagant lifestyle that you can't keep up with it. Yeah. It's a, it's a crazy story. Tyson's is, I did a fair amount of research on, on him for my book, both books actually, and, you know, his net worth was reported to be over $300 million at one time, over $300 million. And of course, getting that kind of money at such a young age, I think the lesson there is very few people are cut out to be able to handle it, right? Right. Dumped into their lap. And so that kind of ties into what we'll talk about in a minute with estate planning. So those of you out there, obviously, I'm not talking about $300 million. Most people don't find themselves in that kind of situation. But even if you have a net worth of one or two million or three million and something happened to you unexpectedly and all that dropped into the laps of your children, 
and they were 20, 21, 22, would they be able to handle that? So it's another question that I think we all need to consider. Here come the Ferraris and the, the mansions guys, and then it's gone. And in your yeah. case, the Rolexes. Hey, watches could be an investment. You never know how it's going to work out. I'm not putting all my eggs in that basket. Thankfully. Well, this <laughs> yeah. next example here is a guy who really got caught up into the material things. He really wanted to have the best of everything. This is Lenny Dykstra, another former baseball player. This one was before my time. No idea who this guy was, but his story is too good to not This share. guy was crazy. This guy was nuts <laughs> out there in the field. He'd slam into the wall. He, he didn't care. Yeah, his nickname was Nails, in fact, because of he would slam into the outfield wall trying to catch baseballs. But he was actually successful after his career. He had a car wash business. And he ended up selling it for 51 million. You think Woo. this guy's set 51 mil. Uh, not, not the case. He went broke trying to start a magazine business after that for, for professional athletes called the, uh, the players club. And he was going to give financial advice to these athletes, but he, uh, he went broke because he wanted the next newest thing. He wanted, it's quoted here by his brother that he wanted to be like, Wayne Gretzky. He wanted to live in his house. So he bought Wayne Gretzky's house actually for $18.5 million. He, this is the quote from his brother. I think it's good to share. Imagine your brother saying this about you. Uh, Lenny's whole thing is he always wanted to be bigger in every way, which is Kevin Dykstra, his brother, saying. After baseball, he was just never happy with what he had. He had a $4 million house. But he had to have Gretzky's house. He had nice cars, but he wanted to have a Maybach. He flew his fir in first class, but he wanted his own private jet. Just sad to see that, you know? This guy is in the top 1%, and he had to blow it all away. He only had $50,000 to his name. 50000 He has all this debt that he racked up buying these material things. 50000 That was 0.16% of his personal right. debt, what he owed to creditors. It's wild. And I, I think we all have seen these stories with athletes. So I think especially athletes, because it seems like it's easy come, easy go, but they all want what the other guy has. It's hard to understand for, for most of us who, you know, appreciate what the dollar is, how hard it is to earn that dollar. But when they all want something else, then well, it's, it's, it's quick, right? Keeping up with the Joneses. I mean, I, we see that you know, we're talking about fifty, hundred million dollar estates, but take the average person. You know, they they see the neighbor get a nice car, they're gonna get a nice car. The neighbor buys a boat, they're gonna buy a boat. I mean, <laughs> you gotta, I think, sometimes be thankful for what you have and realize it's more than most people have and not always be wanting for what you don't. Yeah, I, I stopped pursuing jockeys early in my career as a financial advisor because of that reason. Jockeys yeah. Just like these other athletes, easy come, easy go. We get them started on a retirement path and putting money away for retirement. And without fail, the vast majority of them would call for distributions. And I'd ask, what is that for? I got to, I've got to buy a new car. And I said, you just bought a car last year. Yeah, I know, but I want this one. <laughs> so, you know, it's impossible to help these guys get on track and stay on track. One other former famous athlete and still very famous, John Elway. 
Now, he's made more good decisions than bad, but this is just a quick example of one of his bad ones. It, he's still got a net worth uh, a very large amount, $140, $150 million. But he's made some poor decisions. And one of those decisions was $15 million he invested in a Ponzi scheme. And he lost about half of that. I think he got some salvaged. Ponzi schemes are everywhere. And I think just because you're wealthy and supposed to be smarter and more knowledgeable, it doesn't make you immune to falling prey to some of these people. They're very slick talkers. They have great way with words telling you how wonderful your investment's going to work out. And I think we all need to be careful of some of these things that sound too good to be true. There are some horrible, horrendous stories of people who've lost millions and millions of dollars from these schemers like this. Uh, one of the more famous uh, Madoff. If you haven't watched that Netflix series, I'd recommend watching it. The story of Bernie Madoff and how he took hundreds stole, of investors stole. for billions yeah. of dollars. And it was sad. And I actually know some people who invested with him and they just 100% convinced that he somehow figured out a way to make 20% a year and none of the rest of us smucks could figure that out. So it's, it's yeah. out there. When, when you when you start hearing things stories like that, I would very much be careful. Yeah, and it takes us into this estate planning conversation. Let's talk about estate planning. We we've talked about it a little bit on on the show before, and sometimes when you hear the word estate, you think oh, I've got to be ultra wealthy. Well, the truth is, everyone has an estate in some way, shape, or form. We're going to dive into some examples, and and my first one is is Prince. Okay. We had to explain to Kate who Prince was, very famous <laughs> musician. And, uh, not Raspberry my Beret, come on. Yeah, not my Little type Red of- Red Corvette. Yeah. Never heard of it. And not my type of music either, but uh, did very well for himself. But he passed away in 2016. And then it became very apparent very quickly that he died without a will. And what that is called is you, you die intestate. Okay, so that means you don't have a will. There's no direction on on your how your assets are to be distributed. Um, it was estimated that his estate was worth over two hundred million dollars. He's got six siblings and some half siblings, and then out of nowhere, there was a federal inmate that claimed to be um, his son. So money is bringing people out of the woodwork, and this this thing has still been going on. They're saying that the lawyers, consultants, bankers, they've earned millions so far debating on where his estate should go. And so far, none of the heirs have received a dollar. Hey, everybody, quick announcement. Make sure you mark March 19th, 2024 down on your calendar. That will be our annual financial literacy boot camp. We are hosting the camp at Weber State University. It'll begin at 8 a.m., including at around 2.30 p.m., where students and young adults from all over the community can come and attend and learn all of the key elements involved in financial planning, debt management, investing, and also how to create a strong mind and body. Don't miss it. You're going to love the panelists, and you're going to love our motivational speaker this year, 
who is a former NFL Super Bowl champion. So I think that just stresses the importance. And I know we are not all have $200 million, but whatever you do have, most people want to decide where it's going to go upon our passing and and how it's going to be protected. And they don't want a judge or some attorneys trying to determine where that's going to go or family fighting over where it should go. And that's where the importance of an, an estate plan come in. Even if it's just starting with a basic will, um, I'm going to say most people are probably going to want to have a trust in place, but at least having that will in place. And the other important documents, like a financial and healthcare powers of attorney named. Um, a lot of times little... people are reluctant to get started because they don't like the idea of dealing yeah. with their mortality. They don't. Yeah. And, and and we hear, we have, a, we have a service we offer through a company called Encore Estate Plan, where you can put together a pretty simple package very inexpensively uh, and quickly. And just because you're talking about, hey, what's going to happen when I when I die doesn't mean you're going to run out there and, and die on us. But why not get the plan in place? What triggered me is when I when I had my kids six years ago and said, I, I want to make sure they're going to be okay in case something happens to me. Who's going to take care of them? What happens to Kate and I's money when we're, you know, that we've built up? I mean, that's important to everybody, I think. So put a plan in place. Sure. And people have some awfully in interesting ideas on how they want to transition their money after they're gone. We've read stories of people who wanted to give tens of millions of dollars to their dog, for hey. example. And, uh, you know, they're out there. But <laughs> if you don't have an estate plan buttoned up and all the things in legal form and fashion, there's a strong likelihood that your will and your trust can be contested or your whole estate's going to be contested. Plus, that's public knowledge. If you don't have it tied up in a trust, anybody can access your personal records and see what you have and what you wanted done. Yeah. Or you might get that girlfriend coming out of the woodwork saying, Yeah, here's hey, an I example. Got a, I got a kid with you. So, oh man, <laughs> they get messy quick. An example of somebody who had a girlfriend and and didn't include her in his planning with Barry White. Now, of course, you guys don't know Barry White. I barely... <laughs> I barely know Barry White, but he was very famous back in the 70s and 80s for all of his uh, love songs. He was had that deep voice. Mm. And well, I, I can tell you how he had that deep voice, Sean. Reportedly, he smoked 150 cigarettes a day. Right. I don't know how many packs that is, <laughs> but I kind of did a quick math. That's smoking a cigarette every seven minutes or so. <laughs> while you're walking around that's not even during so you don't have to wake uh, up during the night but just while you're walking around during the day hey i'm not a i'm not a smoker but i've, I've heard there may be 20 cigarettes in a pack of cigarettes so that's seven packs a day holy moly <laughs> that was pretty I mean, quick math there sean i don't know <laughs> yeah, you not, talk about lighting one off another but anyway that must have helped him with his singing voice the story he had he died in 2003 i believe and he was only 58 years old Wow. And he had, so he had several marriages, but his second wife is the one who inherited all of his money. And the reason was not because he intended that, it was because he didn't update any of his documents. So she was still listed on his legal documents. She inherited all of it. 
So yes. his living girlfriend who had been living with him for several years and nine, all nine of his children <laughs> received nothing. Now, of course, uh. there's a major battle that that started up with that and they all filed lawsuits and it obviously tied it up in court. And then you realize what Sean mentioned earlier, lawyers end up loving those scenarios because they end up with more than more than anyone else with the when you start dividing up the pie. Mm -hmm. So what we want to make sure you're aware of here, just to summarize, is the lesson. Make sure you update your documents anytime there's a change of situation in your life, whether that's marriage or divorce, you have a new child, something happens, you change state of residence. Make Someone sure you update your document and also your financial and healthcare power of attorney <clears throat> to ensure that the proper people are designated to make those decisions for you. Another one, Billy, if I can jump in, that's kind of outside those documents is a 401k plan or an IRA that are going to pass by a beneficiary designation. How many times have we had someone come in and we say, have you been divorced? Yeah, I've been divorced. Well, did you change your beneficiary on your 401k to your new spouse or maybe your kids? Uh, I don't know. And there's been times where they haven't. And if you leave that X on there, it's going to them. I mean, there's plenty of case study that shows it's it's going to go by who's on that who's on that line item of the beneficiary. Such an important point because people think, well, I got the will, so I'm fine. No, the beneficiary designation supersedes or trumps the will. So, a <laughs> beneficiary designation is it's going to take precedent. Careful One more there. example that we have for you on this estate planning is uh, the lesson here is it's never too early to get some documents in place. And this is about Jimi Hendrix. Again, before my time, clearly. But he he passed away at 27. And I'm just thinking, I'm in my 20s. Most people don't think about needing a will when you're in your 20s. It's just not, you're, you're not thinking that you're going to die anytime soon. But he didn't have a will. And of course, he was a guitar legend and made some good money but he didn't have a will so it ended up going to his dad even though he was very very close with his brother Jimi hendrix was and his uh his dad ended up passing it on to a stepdaughter from a later marriage someone that Jimi hendrix didn't even know so some girl ended up getting all of his hard-earned money and his brother didn't get a single penny which is unfortunate but it goes to show you got to get those documents in place, even just a basic will, like these guys are saying. Yeah, it's never too early to do those basic documents. As we mentioned, if you don't want to go to an attorney, an estate attorney, we can help you with those documents, creating the basic will, trust, financial powers, healthcare powers through that service we provide. It's more complicated and a complex estate than obviously hiring an estate attorney would make some sense. They can potentially offer some various strategies to help protect your estate from taxation or give you some further control over how you want things to end up and transfer. So these are just basic steps. I love stepping back and looking at some of these issues just to highlight them. There are a lot of good examples out there too. People mm -hmm. that were smart with their money and have taken the proper steps to transfer it. There's a lot of great families who've had tremendous wealth in this country and have done the right thing with it. And I write some more about that in my next book.
So I'll keep plugging that until you guys get sick of it. Keep but, teasing uh, it, Bill. I got good. to read a chapter, guys, and it's it's really good. Phenomenal, isn't it, Sean? It is. Yeah, it's phenomenal. So these are the these are the six steps that we want to summarize for you to lo- long-lasting prosperity. First things first, take action. There's nothing happens unless you decide to do something. So you can listen to us all day long, but unless you decide, all right, I'm going to make a note and I'm going to do this. Put an action item in place. Schedule something. Call us if that's the first step that you're going to take. At least you're getting the wheels turning to take action, whether it's in your estate plan or with your financial situation, creating a financial plan. All those things are considered steps toward long-lasting prosperity. That's the first one. The second one, get professional help. How many examples did we just share with you that might have been avoided had these people had professional help. I know that Schilling probably his if he had a financial advisor, that would be the first thing he would he would advise against putting it all into a video game company. <laughs> it's like when your car breaks down, okay? Do you jump in there and try to tear the engine apart or do you maybe call a mechanic that's been there and seen it before and can help you with it? I know I do. I do. Third thing, third step, be careful with these too good to be true opportunities. These are everywhere. I'm sure Tom Brady has some feelings about that now, but he was the spokesperson for FTX all over the TV Super Bowl ads, you know, telling everybody else to get on board. That's a lot of egg on the face. And so when you're talking about how great everything's going to be and the powerful returns that don't seem sustainable, that's that's a lesson right there. That's the third step to be aware of. You don't want to just assume that you're going to make it to to retirement so quickly. Just boom, I'm here. You know, take 50,000, turn it into 5 million and I'm good. (laughs) It doesn't happen, guys. If it does, it's very, very, very unlikely. Fourth thing, have your proper documents in place and keep them updated. And we talked about that just a moment ago. Nothing more to add there. The fifth thing, avoid having too many eggs in one basket. Goes back to maybe the Lenny Dykstra situation or any of these, some some of these other guys that put all their resources into one venture. Too much into one spot, not spreading it out, not staying diversified. And then the sixth and final step is be content and live within your means. And I guess that applies to pretty much everybody out there. This is just a life lesson. It's it's how you grow up. It's how you understand your own needs and wants and wishes and making yourself ask that question, I guess. Every time you're thinking about purchasing something or spending something or investing in something, is, is that a need, a want, or a wish. And how's that going to affect my bottom line if this doesn't work out? Because you always want to assume that there's some risk in these things. That being said, thanks for joining us today. Hope these steps and these tips can provide some fundamental resources for you to live your life in a prosperous way. Until next time, take care and Merry Christmas. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to Harnessing Your Wealth with Billy Peterson. 
Before we declare the race official, please click the follow button so you can be notified when new episodes become available. For more information about today's show, please check out the show notes. Visit our website at www.petersonws.com or give us a call at 801-475-4002. Once again, thank you for listening. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Peterson Wealth Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.